At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When I hear about people thinking about jumping ship, ditching their corporate jobs it's to start something, I'm just like, it, it sounds sexy to be your own yeah, boss, it but it's literally the hardest thing you can do because it's, it's all on you. Hello, and welcome to Financials Podcast Future Rich. I'm your host, Barbara Ginty, and I'm also a certified financial planner. And I'm very excited to have my guests today, Amanda and Kyle of Loverboy. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having us. How are you doing? Thanks for joining us. I'm glad the puppies could join too. Yeah, they, they, uh, it's very rare they're not up in our business, (laughs) literally. (laughs) Well, they're super cute. So this is, this will be fun. I'm super pumped to have you on the show. We haven't even told our listeners, so we're going to start letting out the details about this. We'll be super excited to have have you as a guest. So why don't you start, just in case someone isn't familiar with either of you or Loverboy, give us a little background on who you are and a little bit of background on Loverboy. I'll take a, a stab. So, um, you know, we live in New York City. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur for quite some time, you know, didn't have a boss. And so when there came an opportunity to hop on a reality show called Summer House. Um, I, I was thinking customer acquisition. Why not? Um, Amanda and I were dating at the time and, you know, that was six summers ago. Um, so wow. we, um, our, our relationship is very much inter- intertwined with, with Summer House, just like our business Loverboy, because we essentially conceptualized it and launched it on the show. And Loverboy is essentially a better for you kind of new age, um, alcohol brand. Very nice. Um, and so it came to be on Summer House. This was the whole concept. And I, I believe the story was you realized how much sugar was in the alcoholic drinks and you were, you know, into fitness and realized what you, you were derailing everything over the weekend. Yeah. I mean, classic, you know, I'm like trying to eat clean during the week. I'm working out. Amanda somehow, you know, can do what she wants and she still maintains her physique. Yeah. I think that <laughs> that one summer, uh, Kyle was drinking one of his favorite go-tos, which is Twisted Tea. And it was the summer where me and my friends were introduced to, at the time, Spiked Seltzer. Um, yep. And I, you know, told Kyle about it and he kind of had this wonderful thought of why don't I make a Twisted Tea-like product with the, you know, zero sugar, low calories that these like flavorful seltzers have. And Loverboy was kind of born from there. Yeah. And I think that that was 2016. So that was literally the first year White Claw truly launched. And we were drinking right. them to offset calories from Twisted Tea, margaritas, 
wine. I mean, you name it, everything is loaded with calories and sugar, right? So right. It's, hard, it's hard to gauge what's actually in your drink because 99% of alcohol products have zero transparency when it comes to the label, right? Like people don't think about that, but like when you're drinking like Grey Goose, guess what? It's not pure vodka. Um, so, so yeah, I think had I launched something that, that first summer, I probably would have done a seltzer, but fast forward two years and it's like, okay, there's a bunch of seltzers out. And I say a bunch, like 10 and they all mm -hmm. kind of taste the same. They look the same. They're all in white cans. And I was like, why doesn't anyone make a better for you hard tea? So we were really the first like hard seltzer meets hard tea or better yet hard tea meets hard seltzer. So how did it go though? It's one thing to like have that idea, like sitting poolside to be like, okay, we want to cut out sugar to actually launching a beverage company. Cause beverages, I'm, as I'm, I've been told is one of the harder uh, industries to go into food and beverage. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fiercely competitive in the non-alcohol side, you know, anybody can essentially bottle something up and sell it at their local mm -hmm. Whole Foods. Like a lot of people don't realize that you, like you, the entrepreneur can literally drop it off at Whole Foods In alcohol. You have to go through a wholesaler and in right. the world of beer, which our hap our product happens to be taxed and distributed as a beer. There are literally thousands of wholesalers that you have to work with to get your product on the shelf. So it's not easy. Um, and that's just distribution. I mean, actually, you know, getting the attention of the consumer is challenging because the alcohol companies have a big say as to what's on the shelf and right. you need a lot of money to kind of break through the noise. Absolutely. Yeah. I would, I would imagine. And then liquor laws too, right? Cause they would vary by state. Yeah, every imagine. state's it's different. So challenging. Yes. So many, I mean, when we first launched too, you know, we were in just three states um, and everyone was very excited because we, are on this show. People did want to get their hands on it right away. And we weren't available everywhere. And, you know, we're only able to launch state by state slowly. Um, and so it's been a process, but we, how many were in how many states now? Yeah, now we're in 19 and we're going to soon be in over 40, you know, and it's That's just, great. it's tough. You, you, in an Instagram post, you can't explain, you know, the alcohol loss, no. right? Like no. people would be like, okay, I already glossed over. You know, next post. So, yeah, like to Amanda's point, it's really challenging to educate our fans who want to be our consumer, right? It's, and it's half the reason we launched our cocktails. We made them wine based so we could sell them direct to consumer. Oh, okay, because that's a different because it's not under the beer threshold. Because well, I'm sitting here in in Utah, and I didn't know we have some of the strictest. You probably know this already, but they have some of the strictest uh, alcohol laws in the country. Yeah, you're, the strictest state. you're one of the five states that we still can't send our wine-based spritz products to in our, in our cocktails. Um, and an unusual state, even in beer, like we can't, because mm -hmm. we, because it's not a pure beer, right? Like there's actual juice right. and tea in our sparkling hard teas the Utah government doesn't even know what to make of it because the laws were written <laughs> for beer and only beer. Like pure beer. Yeah, absolutely. So that's just like one of the obstacles besides educating the consumer and then the wholesalers. So then how did, like, what was the point where you said, okay, we're going to embark on this adventure and start a business versus maybe just making it on your own and reducing sugar that way? Because that's a big difference from wanting to do it to actually executing on it. I mean, I'll, I'll just chime in and you can, you probably have your a different opinion on this, but like for me, I had a nutrition startup that I was okay. trying to like leverage the show to kind of put on people's radar. No one gave it a, 
a shit about it. I don't know if I can say shit, but um, <laughs> you can everyone, say wanted, you want, yeah. everyone wanted to know what we were drinking. And I'm like, well, the products we're drinking are actually not good for you. So I had to kind of look myself in the mirror and be like, do I continue to pursue, pursue nutrition coaching via an app, which is not sexy and people can't it, what, it seem looked, to get it. Visually, the app looked very yeah, sexy. Yeah, thanks to her. <laughs> but it's tough, it's tough to have that translate to a TV show, right? Like no one, it's like you can't have the, yep. the camera zoom in on an app. And so Correct. for me, it was just like when that was when that wasn't sticking in our audience's mindset that like it's all about nutrition, it's not about, you know, how much you exercise. That's when I was like, well, why don't I just do what I want to do, which is still have fun on the weekends, but drink tasty drinks that aren't horrible for you. And I knew that that would resonate because that's all people asked for the first two seasons of our TV show. What rosé are you drinking? What the heck is twisted tea? Why are you drinking this? And back then truly was in a, a bottle actually. So that makes sense. Cause I feel like the entrepreneur journey is one that a lot of people aspire to, but don't actually dive into, right? Because there's a lot of challenges as you pointed out. Yeah. Kyle's Kyle's been a serial entrepreneur. He's been, I mean, how many, I don't want to say failed startups, but how many have you tried yeah. to launch yeah. some more successful she than doesn't others? Even, she doesn't even sugarcoat it. Um, yeah, I had mean, done enough startups where some never see the light of day. Others, you know, I have to kill, you know, months after launch because it never went anywhere. And then, you know, a couple of companies that I've been involved with have been wildly successful, like bird dogs. Like it's, it's everything in between. And so I knew what it takes. It takes, you know, a lot of, of can do attitude and a lot of drive and a lot of like, a lot of hours. A lot of hours. Yeah. So that's what, you know. A I, lot of patience. I knew that we, we had a chance to break through the noise because instead of putting $100 million of marketing behind it, we had a TV show where people were yeah. already interested in what we were drinking. Right. To capitalize on that. So your background was entrepreneurship, but Amanda, your background is a graphic design, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was um, I went to college for graphic design or it was communication design. So I majored in that. I went to University of Connecticut and I had like a small art program there. Um, and then I was a graphic designer um, at L'Occitane, basically one of like two graphic designers at L'Occitane for five years. Um, but while doing that, I had been helping Kyle with, uh, when we met one of his startups phoenix and then with all the the look and the feel of and the naming of Loverboy and, and kind of the creation so even though it came from this beautiful mind <laughs> right here um my touch is definitely on the way it looks and yeah know, the way it tastes i think one thing that really resonated with me and, and and showed like shined a light on the opportunity is back in 2018 all the hard seltzers were in boring white cans with mm -hmm. boring brands, like truly. Well, they weren't boring. They were clean. They were sleek. Like that was the trend. That was the cool thing right. to do is to have like this nice, clean white can with like black accents. Just that stood out on a shelf. But that was every single seltzer, right? Because when you see white, yep. that makes you think that this product is clean and it's better for you. Um, so, but the seltzers are, you know, they're a touch of flavor in the drink. Mm -hmm. And we were creating something that was full of flavor. So in order to stand out from them and also to showcase what was inside of our cans, it was important that ours were colorful and loud 
and just felt just as impactful as when, you know, you take a sip and taste all that flavor. It's not, you know, white and clean and crisp. And, and I think what was also lacking in this industry, which is crazy because it's like a quarter of a trillion, the brands aren't fun. Like drinking, no. <laughs> like drinking is a fun social activity in the, they're getting the, there. The brands, There's more brands. Yeah. But three, four years ago, the brands were boring, right? Like, no one, yeah. like a 25-year-old Gen Z doesn't care about the, the Clydesdales that, that Budweiser rolls in on, right? Like, it's it doesn't matter anymore. So it's like, how do you create a brand that actually resonates with, like, today's consumer? And another way for us to stand out was like, hey, let's create a fun, cheeky, flirty brand called Loverboy. And so now it's been around, so you said to start in 2016. No, that was when the, the light bulb started going on. We, okay. we didn't put samples in cans until the spring of 2018. 2018. Okay. So it was a, it was a process to get yeah, all yeah. the testing and the packaging. And then Amanda, when did you, did you quit your job immediately to start on this venture? No, I always joke that Kyle uh, started dating me because he was getting a free graphic designer. Um, <laughs> so I was freelancing for my boyfriend. I was like, that's, you know, he's got the business. I'm the creative side. We balance each other out. And that's why he's proposed. Um, but <laughs> no, I was not. He wasn't making any money from it. You know, in my mind, I thought we, you know, would be together, but we couldn't uh, build a life together, both of us not making any money, having no income. So I kept my job for as long as I could while working on Loverboy until it got to a point where Loverboy required more time from for me that I could give without taking away from my full-time job. So I mm-hmm. quit... Um, I was full-time November 2019. November 2019, I was full-time lover boy. Okay. On pay, was I on payroll? I was on payroll and everything, I think, at that point. It's great. And then, (laughs) you know, working Not working for free. Yeah. Yeah. But working from home, working from our apartment. And then- Yeah, lockdown. Two, three months later, lockdown hit. And we've been stuck here ever since. (laughs) Yeah. It's- it's, it's allowed us to focus, that's for sure. But, you know, it's one thing to be locked down with your significant other. It's another thing to be working in lockdown on a startup. And, and yeah, with a significant other myself who's only ever worked like in the corporate world and has had so much structure and has had a calendar and a schedule and people telling me what to do and me telling other people what to do. I had and colleagues, right? Yeah. And th- people to bounce ideas off of. I'm like, I'm stuck on this design. What do I do? Kyle's like, I don't know. It looks great. I'm like, that's not, I don't need that. That's not what I want. Um, but yeah, so it was a struggle for me to kind of learn how to, and it, it's still working on it, but get that like entrepreneurial mindset where I am essentially my own boss. I am, you know, I'm deciding what happens, what gets worked on, what goes on in, you know, day to day. Um, so that was a huge learning process for me. Yeah, I can imagine because being an entrepreneur, working in corporate America versus being an entrepreneur can be, I feel like there's a lot of really appealing things and positive things. It can be a little lonely if you're used to having that corporate environment where you have colleagues in mind share that you don't get on your own. Yeah. Well, that's what, I mean, I, I think when I hear about people thinking about jumping ship, ditching their corporate job to start something. I'm just like, it, it sounds sexy to be your own yeah, boss, it but it's literally the hardest thing you can do because it's, it's all on you. 
you have to hold yourself accountable. Yeah, you have to be driven. Like it's very easy to procrastinate and like put things off because no one's putting pressure on you to get it done. Like if it doesn't get done, no one's mad at you. You're just only screwing yourself over. (laughs) Right. No, but I I think that was super, obviously the CFP in me loves that you didn't just quit your job right away and that you kept one income until you could sustain the business. Because I always... It, it seems very attractive. And I think a lot of people, when they're unhappy with their corporate jobs, say, I'm just going to start a business and jump ship. And I think that it's glamorized a lot. And but the flip side is a lot of work. And as you said, not all of them work. Well, not, not to dwell on it, but I think it's a, it's a great point. I actually, for, for people that like come to me for entrepreneurial advice, like here's my idea. I almost always tell them, I mean, like moonlight as yeah. long as you can, like burn the midnight oil and Make sure that your idea is at a place where it can actually generate some revenue or you can actually raise money from investors, which is later and later stage these days because there's so many startups out there. So it's kind of like it almost, oh, my heart goes out to the people that quit their job and they're like two years away from a revenue generating product. I'm like, good luck. Yeah, because it's hard enough as it is. And then yeah. to not have any, not have any income. Yeah, no, I'm glad that you said that because we talk a lot about side hustles on the show and I always promote moonlighting because yeah. if you're not willing to do those extra hours after work and on the weekends, then you entrepreneurship might not even be, you might not be right. cut out for it because it is, it is a lot of hours. So if you don't want right. to work nights and weekends with a, a you know, stable job, you probably might not like being an entrepreneur because there's a lot of nights and weekends. I mean, to this day, all Kyle does is work nights and weekends, like all day, all night. It'll be 1030, 11 o'clock, like 1130, you know, someone will call him or he'll call someone and he always picks up. And I joke around that in order for me to make time to have a conversation with him, I have to call him because I know he'll pick up. He always picks up his phone. So if I ever want to talk to him, I just have to call him. Or put time on my calendar. (laughs) Yeah, or skip. Schedule, schedule on the calendar. So yeah, so you you quit your job, went corporate America, full time lover boy, and then shortly thereafter the pandemic happened. I feel like a lot of people struggle with the pandemic. What was it like to be living together in New York City, kind of the epicenter of where where it was? I got rid of my apartment during during COVID, and then on a startup, and then you know working with your significant other. A lot of variables there. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was dark in many ways. It was it was a weird time because there was so much more so much uncertainty in the world. Um it was We were also trying to plan our wedding. Like the the second week of lockdown, we were sending out our save the dates. Yeah. Like it was no. yeah, yeah. I was, you know, I, and I was again still trying to learn like how to be a part of a startup and like, you know, create my own schedule and and work and we, yeah, we were engaged. We were just living. It was our my first time spending so much time at home with him also, which was a lot. So, I mean, we, there were a lot of obstacles and hurdles that we had to get through. We definitely had our arguments, whether it was like personal or work related. Um, one of the things uh, that I think really got us through in the beginning is every night at 7 p.m. when everyone would cheer out their window um, for frontline workers. That was pretty awesome. That was probably the highlight of every single day and just kind of got us through it. 
And then not that we're out of the pandemic because we're unfortunately still in this, but do you set like boundaries? As you said, you, Kyle, you always answer your phone, but with working together now married, so congratulations. Do you have like specific boundaries? Like this time we don't do work. We talk about something other than work or is it? I wish we are okay. working towards that eventually, but I think we decided early on um, when I did quit and become full time that our relationship and our business relationship is kind of going to have to be one and the same. We're not going to be able to separate it. We live where we work, you know, the hours that, you know, we're building a future for ourselves and for hopefully our future families. So we're putting in the time and energy now that's necessary so that one day we can have that separation. Like we can have, you know, work is separate from our personal lives but right now it's i mean we don't even have an office so like how do you create separation like that's my office right back there yeah so (laughs) you know the only i think the only the only request because kyle's mind is running 24 7 and when he lays down in bed the thoughts just come you know by the dozen so i've said to him at night in bed like if i'm laying in bed whether it's the morning or at nighttime do not talk to me about work. That's like the one time I'm like, that's it's off limits. Don't ask me to answer an email. Don't tell me about something you want me to do tomorrow. You can tell me in the morning. That's why she started working from bed. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally off limits. <laughs> but uh, I will say, you know, I think that um, whether she knew this or not, right? Like I think entrepreneurs, particularly early on in their careers where they're like, if they have a little taste of success, it's almost impossible to actually be like, all right, here's work, here's play, here's our relationship. You know, it's like, how do you create that separation? And I think over time, it's going to be a little easier, right? But like, mm-hmm. like you said, I mean, if, if, if you're like, oh yeah, I unplug at five and like that, that's a necessity. Yeah, good luck trying to get something started. Um, and, and so, look, I think as time goes on, we have more employees, we get an office, there's going to be easier ways to create a little bit of separation, but, but yeah, for the last couple of years, it's been virtually impossible. Yeah, that makes sense. I ask because, and I ask other entrepreneurs that we have on the show, like, how, how are you able to do it? I have not successfully ever separated it because it feels like it's my being to be an entrepreneur. So I can't just turn that off. Um, but so that's generally the kind of the feedback we get from entrepreneurs. It's hard to, to turn it off. Some people do have little, like, I think that's a great role in bed. <laughs> I'm, this is my sanctuary. Don't bother me. Um, and obviously having an office and, and certain things like that can make it easier down the road. Yep. Yeah. So then what was the process? So it took a while to get to bottling. Did you go down the fundraising route and how was it? How was yeah. That so I, I, it was March of 2018 where I decided to go all in on Loverboy. Um, everything up until then was just an idea. And I think it was actually to our advantage to wait a couple of years. Cause like I said, I probably would have just launched a, another hard seltzer if it was like 2016, 2017. Um, I, I knew, cause I've done a couple startups before that like, I'm going to have a way easier time fundraising if I already had a product and like a go to market, you know, and, and with alcohol, there's a lot of complications, right? There's a lot of red tape and there's a lot to figure out. So basically from March until April of 2019, I self-funded Loverboy. Um, You know, it was probably about a hundred grand. And so like, yeah, like that's, that's what it took to literally get samples in cans and get this to a point where, you know, 
it was it would be something I could actually pitch to friends and family with confidence, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're going to someone with a deck and a deck only, I would say forget about it. So, um, you know, we we sought out to raise a million dollars. We oversubscribed a little bit, and we went into the summer of 2019, which was like our soft launch. Um, yeah, having raised a small friends and family, small be- for beverage, you got to raise at least a million. So we raised 1.2. That's awesome. But that's great. That's great advice. So that, and also I think you putting money in shows like any sort of friends and family, or if you go the VC route that you have skin in the game. Yeah. I, you know, one of these days I hope to be investing in startups and I would never even touch something where the entrepreneur doesn't have like real skin in the game. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and so you did friends and family. Did you go on to do, have you gone on to do more or is that in the plans down the road to fundraise further? We are fundraising right now. I mean, we're very lucky and fortunate to have this platform because I mean, most startups, whether you're in beverage or just in general, like a lot of the capital early on is spent acquiring customers, generating awareness, exposure. We don't have that problem, right? Like we literally launched this thing on a TV show. We have a a good size following on Instagram. Um, So we've been able to be profitable almost right out of the gate. We, we were profitable in 2020. We were profitable in 2021. So we haven't needed to raise institutional capital. But now that we're going, I mentioned early on how many states we're turning. I mean, we're going to be nationwide yep. by the end of this year. So it's time to throw a little gas in the fire and, and raise, you know, some, I'm going to call it a bridge round because it's okay. not going to look anything like a typical like seed, series A, series B. I mean, not yep. many CPG companies are profitable. And what's, what is your goal for Loverboy in the next? So obviously to get through more states by the end of the year, do another, maybe do another round of fundraising. What's the goal ultimately like five years out? Yeah. I mean, we're building this company to be completely self-sufficient and independent, regardless of what happens. I think you see a lot of entrepreneurs build something to sell it, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 it's more about like a land grab at that point. They're not going deep in any markets and it's, it's kind of topical. You know, our, our hope is to turn Loverboy into a household name. You know, you don't have to be watching Summer House to be familiar with it. You know, we're already kind of turning that corner um, just due to people sharing it and introducing it to their mm-hmm. friends. And that's some of our favorite um, feedback or comments that we get from people is that they learned about Summer House because they were drinking Loverboy. Yeah. Right. The opposite. Right. So they learn they yeah. learn about Summer House from your drink versus the, the Yeah, people will be like, We've been drinking Loverboy and like we've realized that we had to start binge watching Summer House. So we've been watching it from like season one. It's just like so cool to hear that uh there's people out there that have no idea who we are or that there's a show that exists and they enjoy drinking our product. Yeah, like just we were just walking our dog and this this kind of burly guy with a big beard just walks by me. He's like, I fuck with lover boy. I'm like, I'm like right on, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, very Isn't cool. That what he said? <laughs> yeah. No, that's exciting. the summer house. It's just like, it's all about lover boy. That's awesome. I like it. Um, so about the wedding, can we like go a little into the Bravo territory? Because all of our listeners are huge Bravo fans, besides finance fans. So is your wedding going to be on Bravo? Yeah. So I think, I mean, do you want to explain this? I mean, it was something that certainly complicated how we looked at wedding planning, wedding venues, all that stuff. But yeah, it is. It's all, 
up in the the super tease for this upcoming season. So it it will all the highs and lows you'll uh, you'll get to see before the big day. Yeah, I think this was like our fifth date, our third venue. You oh know, man, it was like you know a three year process basically. Um, so I mean, Amanda and I were just kind of like we've shown a lot of our relationship the good and the bad and and we kind of almost felt like it'd be be doing you know our kind of like our fans that have been rooting for us or not service or not rooting for us you know it's like reading a book or watching a movie and then like it ending the last you know before the last chapter or like the last 10 minutes you know okay well like how does it end like that's you know what i've been waiting for this whole time so yeah we wanted to share that with everyone whether they wanted to see it or not (laughs) Well, that's exciting. But did, did it make it more complicated with COVID and then having it on part of the TV show? The planning process wise, yes. Um, there's just like additional factors and, you know, releases and things yeah, like that not everybody keep in mind. And fortunately, it was at my parents' house. So we didn't have to worry about like a venue release or anything. Or- our, our first venue had second thoughts on the um the location release that they would have needed to sign so we'd put the deposit down you know we i think that was supposed to be spring of 2020 so um so if if you're we were very specific with like what we were looking for so it definitely complicated things because the venues or the vendors or people weren't necessarily like in need of any of the publicity from it yeah, so, I think that's like the big the big misconception is like, oh, doesn't Bravo like help pay for the wedding? Like, or no, like, don't you it get made it way more challenging. Or people think that we get it all for free, and it's like, no, people were like, you know, charging us extra because it's a pandemic. Oh, like, we weren't we weren't getting hooked up. Um, yeah, but but yeah, it but the day of, at least from what I felt, went by went off without a hitch, so it didn't affect oh, it. Good. At all. Or complicate anything yeah it was it was wonderful yeah we kind of asked them you know for our wedding day it's like hey this is our day this is our parents day you know we wanted the production to kind of be like a fly on the wall and that's if what possible. They, they wanted to do that as well be respectful that's good. yeah so background well that's exciting so to round it out i like to ask all of my entrepreneurs what their favorite book is you know, a book that has helped them with their entrepreneurship journey or a personal finance book that they really like. So we have the collection of recommended reading from some experts. Um, do you have any favorite books? Um, in the business world, I, I I think everybody should understand sales because every company has something to sell. And mm-hmm. I read this book probably back in like 2013. It's called The Challenger Sale. And it's, it's phenomenal. It's basically like problem solving, like selling is a thing of the past. You need to come in, you know, not asking questions, but you need to come in with like the solution. And um, yeah, I'd highly recommend the challenger sale. I'm sure I can think of some other ones. Um, no, that's a great one. It's true. People, I feel like give sales a bad rap, but if you're in any business, you're going to have, have to be selling. Right. Like you're, you're solving some type of problem, right? So, mm-hmm. so reading this book will help you understand how to position it because you're going to have to sell it to somebody. 
I don't know. I I haven't read any entrepreneurial books. I have not read anything about business. I am I'm the the artsy creative one, and I'm just you know I'm watching Bravo. All right, so I was reading. I'm gonna give you another. I'm gonna give you a different question. Can you tell us any exciting new flavors that are coming out since you're working on the creative um, side? We yeah, we can talk about yeah. Um, we have a new in part of our cocktail line. So we have we have our teas that are sold like in stores. We have our spritz that are online, and we have our martini which is our cocktail, which is sold online. And we're coming out with a new cocktail that we've been working on. We're very excited. Um, it's a Cosmopolitan. Ooh. And that will be launching in February. Yeah, so this is, our, all of our cocktails are a little more of a, you know, treat yourself type. You know, it's it's they're more still- flavor. It's They're still better for you, but they, they're mm-hmm. way more alcohol. It's a 12% drink. So it's a true cocktail. Right. And we always try to take like a classic, like the espresso martini and make it better for you and, and put it in a can and, and do that cocktail justice. And I wanted to do a Cosmo because I had never even ordered one. And meanwhile, for you, you look up like top 10 cocktails of 2021, 2020, going way back to wherever, the 90s. The Cosmo is always a top 10 cocktail. I'm like, how am I never had one? I've like, never had one. I've never stigma. ordered one. It's actually delicious it is like so crisp and refreshing we've been like ordering them when we go out just to kind of compare and figure out what we like Mm -hmm. they are so good yeah i mean we're really pumped about this and i think people are going to be pleasantly surprised who have never had one or don't typically order one how like refreshing and light and crisp that it is yeah i think that's a a great it's not about the cranberry if you see a dark pink cranberry uh or dark pink cosmo they've made it wrong it's really about like lime and lemon i think it's to everyone's taste everyone makes their own version of one no one does it wrong it's just wrong for kyle don't make it it (laughs) dark pink yeah so the cosmo just like our our spritz and our our special martini will be sold online unfortunately not in utah but 45 other states figure something out but yeah that'll be in february so that's the, I think the one maybe one of the first times we've uh, we've publicly or officially announced that. Yeah. So you got the scoop. Thank you. Well, thank you both so much for coming on. Um, where can our listeners? Where's the best place to check out Loverboy or to get more information? And we can link this. Sure. Too. Yeah, our website, just like our Instagram and Twitter handle, is Drink Loverboy. And um, and yeah, she's Amanda Batool, and I'm I'm Kyle Cook. Like literally, like the letters I am. Um, and, um, and yeah, I think we were going to provide a, uh, a discount code of, of including free shipping for everybody that's listening. So oh. it would probably be a discount code, something like future rich or something like that. <laughs> that's what it that will be. <laughs> what it will be. <laughs> we hadn't really discussed it, but we did. We did. We discussed it. That's <laughs> okay. My bad. All right. That's perfect. Our listeners will love it. We appreciate that. Of course. Our pleasure. And for all of our lovely listeners, you can find out our most up-to-date information on Instagram at futurerichpodcast.com. And we will be sure to link all of our relevant uh, links for Kyle and Amanda and Loverboy in the show notes. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, 
innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.